Well, amen. Thank you, choir. Wasn't that great? Didn't they do a great job? Give them a hand, another hand. That is awesome. Did a really good job. And it is good to know that the, our Savior's love is that powerful. Thank you, Pam, and thank you, choir, for sharing that with us. Also, want to thank you, Conway, for uh, praying for me. I, I have been a bit under the weather a little bit, so I'm about 80% today. So uh, uh, you'll get about 80% of me. Hopefully, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, glad to be with you again today. Interesting uh, how God works things out uh, in our lives every day, even when we're not paying attention. He really does. Uh, yesterday, you guys completed, uh, had a great turnout for your inasmuch, and God is using, I believe, Conway Baptist Church as an example for some others. I really believe that, Connie, and I thank you for that, and I thank this church for what you do and what you're doing in that regard. And, and uh, it's interesting that we heard all about that today, and God drew me to where I'm going to be in Scripture today. Uh, I, I love that He does that, and, and He certainly does. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Very, very familiar passage uh, for you. I know you have heard sermons and Bible studies and Sunday school lessons out of this, but I think it's important that we take a look at this. Now, the, I've titled my sermon a little bit, Other People Are Watching, and they are. And we want to talk a little bit about that after we exegete the Scripture a little bit this morning. So would you join me as I read from Rome, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning of the first verse. Therefore... Since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for this passage. And Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. I want to talk a little bit about this scripture here and that I got three groups of people that I'm determined, I've decided and I know that uh, look at Christians and churches and who they are and why that's important to you and I, okay? That's scripture first. I love this passage of scripture, don't you? Therefore, now why is the word therefore there? Because there's something before it that has something to do with what I'm about to say. So great trans. So chapters 11 and 12 go well together, okay? And so they should. And remember, the writer of Hebrews is writing to believers, okay? Writing to the church, okay? And so this is an important aspect to remember. He says, 
Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses. Now, oftentimes in the Bible, you'll see uh, passages of Scripture written in a metaphor form, uh, an analogy type of form, or an example type of form. And, and what, th- what this is, is the writer taking, uh, a, a, for example, in our case today, a metaphor of an earthly event as, as to parallel a spiritual truth. Uh, don't you love that about the Lord? I mean, we see it in the New Testament. We see parables are the same way. We see all kinds of analogies throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to describe for us a spiritual truth. Now, let me make sure you understand one thing crystal clear. Because a metaphor was used does not mean that this is not the truth, the absolute truth, every word of it, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, of God. And so it is important for us to remember that. He says, so since we have such a, uh, a, a, a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay up every hindrance, excuse me, lay aside, excuse me, every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, what we have here is the picture of uh, a stadium, if you will, just to make it in the vernacular that we could understand. Uh, a stadium, if you will. Some people have looked at it like this, that there's a group of folks that are sitting in this stadium. Here we are in the, in the arena. They're cheering us on. And that's what that passage of Scripture is really talking about. Well, that's a great metaphor to look at it, but the writer of this actually didn't intend it, as I know it and as I study this, to be uh, a stadium where everybody's cheering you on. How many here love to be cheered on and encouraged? All of them. Uh, in fact, in that time, there was still, uh, and particularly in the Roman Empire, there was still a lot of Olympic kinds of uh, situations and events going on, uh, people running. I used to run track uh, when I was in high school. <laughs> I certainly don't anymore, but uh, I, I, uh, I used to do that, and I used to be a long-distance runner, and uh, I, I remember it, it helped me when I was running, when there was a crowd there that was cheering me on. When there was a crowd there in an opposing field uh, booing me on, I had to work even harder to try to accomplish what I was doing, and I, I was running the the one mile and the two mile and the 880 run, the cross country runs. Those, those are the kind of runs that I did. I even tried one year, this not part of the sermon, but I even tried one year the high hurdles. Only one year. <laughs> I, I never finished better than second in any heat in, in, in the high hurdles. But the, the point is, is, is that th- this is the picture, this is the analogy or the metaphor that he uses in these passages of scriptures in order to illustrate or parallel a spiritual truth for you and I. Uh, I believe because people are watching the church, uh, believers uh, uh, in particular, every day in all kinds of venues, that we need to be uh, prepared for that. And we need to know why that's happening and, and what our role is in this. And so this is really good. So he says, since we have such, this such cloud of witnesses. Now, the word witness is important here, okay? Because remember I said the word therefore connects 11 with 12? Uh, what he's, the, the context and the content in this passage of Scripture gives us the indication that he's compared. He says, we are 
uh, should be like the witnesses that we have that's gone on before us that we've wit- that we've looked at in chapter eleven that have accomplished all these things for the Lord. They are people who have witnessed God's hand at work. They've witnessed God uh, saving His people. They've witnessed God turning the world around. They've witnessed uh, Jesus saving their soul and dying on a cross and. And uh, they've witnessed him rising from the grave forevermore. I mean, these are those who've gone before. We even know some of our own family members and saints that we know who were faithful servants of the Lord who have gone on before. That great cloud of witnesses who could say at a moment's notice what God has done in their life, how he has delivered them, how he saved their soul. It's that cloud of witnesses. We got guys like Abraham looking at us. We got guys like Moses looking at us, like Elijah looking at us. We got guys like the apostles looking at Peter and Paul. And then we got Guys like my great-grandfather and my grandfather and my dad and my mom and, and, and uh, your parents and your family and those who are faithful servants of the Lord. They are great witnesses for you and I to emulate. Oh, I mean, they're cheering us on probably, I think. I don't know. Heck. They may be at the feet of Jesus cheering him on, praising the Lord. I wouldn't blame them one bit. But he's saying to this church, okay, since I've discussed uh, for you in chapter 11 all the things that these faithful witnesses of God have done, then he says, since we, this is worth admission this morning. Understand what he's saying about the word we. He is putting us in the same category as those witnesses that we have all around us. In other words, as far as responsibility is concerned. So, we have the responsibility of being faithful men and women of God. We have the responsibility of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We have the responsibility of living Christ-like lives. And if you want an example, obviously the ultimate example is Jesus himself. But he provided for so many other witnesses. So because that is the case and, and, and they're surrounding us, then here it is. Uh, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily enslaves us. Oh my goodness. I, folks, I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm a little warm. It's hindering me right now. And uh, this medicine I have has got me kind of warm. Okay? So, anyway. uh, He says, so it's important that we make sure that whatever keeps us from being the men and women of God that he's called us to be, that we need to lay those aside. We, We need to be aware of those things that uh, are hindrances to us. Listen, I, I may have, I think I already told you this year already that my whole 2018 has been turned around so far. The things I had planned, the things that I had set up, uh, God 
put other things in our lives, I believe, to get our attention. So maybe that's not exactly what I want you to do. This is exactly what I want you to do. So if I were going by my previous schedule, end of last year, I'm wait, I'm about four months behind. But if I put myself in the will of God, I'm probably right on time about what He wants of me. And so I have to, I'm in the process of readjusting my priorities trying to match them up with the priorities of God for my life and my ministry. And uh, what I see here is uh, an opportunity for me, if I'm going to know what that will is, if I'm going to follow him where he leads me, I'm going to have to make sure that those hindrances that the enemy, by the way, the enemy wants to place in the way of the church to keep the church and believers from being who God's called them to be. You believe that? I guarantee you he's done that. In the last month or so in my life, he is real. The enemy's really uh, distracted me from a physical point of view, from being and doing all the things that I have responsibility over. This, and I am determined that he is not going to win. And God's people ought to be the same way that we don't allow the the trivial and uh, may may not seem trivial to you at the time. But the things compared to eternal matters, the things that we allow to keep us from being and doing uh, what we ought to be and do. And, And it's important that we keep that in mind. So he's, with this one word, we, he's connected us with those who've gone on before who can give witness to and show us how to live. We fit into that category. And we, and so that puts upon us a great deal of responsibility. Living for Jesus is not the job only, solely, of the pastor and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. It's the role of all of us. If Christ died for all of us, the expectation is that all of us should be surrendered to His will and his way. And so we need to put all of that stuff that hinders us and that sin that so easily entangles us. We in America spoiled. Are you all spoiled? I know I am. We have it so easy. We have it absolutely so easy in our world. And we so easily allow sin to get us off track. Those things in our lives that that keep us from, as I said earlier, being and doing what we're supposed to do. And uh, folks, uh, uh, one of the songs uh, I heard here today already, I think it was here that I heard this, these songs, uh, is is, uh, the the praise song I think we sang uh, at first, is uh, the, the, the holiness of God, the worthiness of God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for You and I. Recently, I've been been trying to to spend more quality time with the Lord. I need it. Probably now more than I've ever needed it. And and, and the closer and deeper I get into His Word and I get close to Him, the more I realize His holiness and how unholy I am and how unworthy I am. To be able to even lift my hand and praise the Lord. And yet, I get to do that. I get to do that 
because of who he is and what he's done in my heart and in my life. Listen, the church needs to return to holiness. We, ne- we must not let the culture dictate to us how we live our lives, but rather we ought to dictate to the culture how they should live their lives. Period. No exceptions. I'm tired of Christians telling me, yeah, but. You just, oh, but. My life's, yeah, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not discounting the problems that one has in his or her life. Certainly not doing that. But we use those as excuses not to be in the will of or follow where God wants us to be. I'm, I'm, I'm just a flawed human being. Well, welcome to the club. We all are. But in Christ, as 1 John says, we've overcome that. Let us live like we know that in our hearts and lives. Nothing gives me more heartburn. And believe me, I take medicine for heartburn. Nothing gives me more heartburn to see God's people just not, there's not joy in their lives. You know, you know how I love to be happy. I love happy folk. I do. I'm married to a really happy lady. Okay? When this little lady gets excited, she, you know it. I mean, around the house, boy, she's, oh, oh man. She's, whoo! Terry, you wouldn't believe it. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we'd made, we'd been talking about making a decision about something, and she goes, yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I love that. And when she discovers something new in God's Word, she says, oh, Terry, i got to tell you this. I love that. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Every day of your life and the life of the church, we would be so excited about being a child of the Lamb of God that we couldn't wait to tell somebody how He's blessed our lives and what we discovered. One more thing about who Jesus is in my heart and life. Wouldn't that be great? I guarantee you, you would change the attitude of people where you work, where you go to school, where you live, in your home, everywhere you are, you would be the difference. So we have been connected to those. And therefore we must live as if we are one of those witnesses. Because we know what Jesus has done in our lives. So we put away those things that easily ensnare us. And then he says, let us run with endurance. And see, that's the metaphor connecting us to a race because this walk that we have is a race this this life that we have is a race and he says uh he says let us run with endurance i love that with endurance that means life's going to be tough anybody whatever can i get an amen life is tough at times it is uh you know every every morning for the last month or so Every morning, I get up with a nauseated stomach. Every morning. I hate that. I'm not a good patient. I'm not good sick. Just not. Okay? Every morning, I have to get myself going and up and, and running lately. It, it, this is one of those things. I'm being, trans, you know, I'm being transparent to you here this morning. I'm just letting you know this has some impact on me. So this life is a, 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 a race of endurance. I was a long-distance runner. I knew that whenever the gun went off, I didn't sprint the first mile because if I did that, that's the only one I'd ever do. 
I knew I had to pace myself. Listen, as Christians, you got to pace yourself. Life is hard and tough, and we live in a flawed world. We have messy and flawed folks all around us. But listen, we have a Savior who's overcome all of that, and we can too, even in this life. And there is also, don't forget about this, coming a day where you're going to scrape it all and spend eternity with Jesus. It's coming. I'm not ready to gather up a load yet, but I'm ready if it comes. I know I've told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. I wish he would rapture the church while I'm preaching. Or take me, one or the other, I don't care. If it freaks you out, I'm sorry, but I don't really care. Now, if he raptures us, and you're still sitting here, as I've said many times, you really have a problem. So we must run the race that's before us. And when I was running track, and I was doing the two-mile particularly, uh, that's eight laps. It used to be eight laps around our, I don't know if it still is or not, but uh, it used to be eight laps around the track. And I would look out around that track, and I would look, and I would game plan, and I would try to find, decide when I was going to do what and how and when and all that kind of stuff. So I had to go through the whole race. I knew ahead of time. Where it was what, what I needed to do in order to compete in that, in that race. And the, the same is true for the Christian life. Listen, unless Jesus calls you home, takes you home, or raptures you, we're in a race and we don't have an ending until he decides it's ended. You know what I said? So, so as Christians, we need to take on the mantle of responsibility that we have with the gospel and get out there and run it and run it and pace yourself and keep going and keep going even with the snares even with the hindrances even with those who the enemy who wants to derail you stop looking at that stop allowing that uh, and, and keep running the race that he's laid out before you he's got a plan for all of you that's what this encourages me about he's got a plan for little old Terry he's got a plan for you and the, the joy of that is figuring out what that plan is and being about it. I said earlier that Greta and I were deciding on some stuff. And she got excited the other day. And the reason she got excited, I think, is because we finally have a plan about something that we're, we've been talking about for years. I'll let her explain all that to you. But anyway, wow. No, you, you, you know when you figure something out you didn't know, you, you, you weren't sure about it, and finally it clicked, and you know where you got to go, you know where you're going, you finally, now, I can get on about the business of what he's called me to do, and, and, and that's what he's talking about here, run with endurance the race that lies before you. Now, how do you do that, preacher? I'm so glad you asked, because the Bible tells us exactly how we're to do what he just told us to do. Verse 2, keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's like that. Have you seen those races with dogs, those greyhound dogs? You know how they do that, right? I, I, I saw this. Is they, they put out something that dogs want to eat or, or play with or something. Yeah, or a rabbit or something. A rabbit, that's what it is. Out in front of them, and they just go around that track, and they just run as hard as they can to get that rabbit. They're not out there trying to, oh, I'm going to win the dog trophy for first you know, they're going to do that. Listen, our eyes ought to be fixed on Jesus, who is, by the way, the 
source. This will preach. He's the source and the perfecter of our faith. Remember, he talked about faith in chapter 11 over 33 times. He said the word faith there. He is the source of it and the perfecter of it. So in other words, all, my, all that I have, all my faith, everything, my power, my strength, all comes from him. And since it does that, then he's the perfecter of it. He shows us how we're to live that out. So we have all the instructions we need to live our lives out. So he's perfected that life for us. Aren't you glad about that? You don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure it out. He's already done so. And the more we know his word and his plan, the better off we are. Our eyes must be focused on Jesus. Now, what is it that your eyes are focused on? And this truth really comes to bear when you're struggling in life. Whose eyes are, who who, who can be seen in your eyes? Who are you looking at? And he just goes on to say, for the joy that lay before him. He's talking about what Jesus did. If you need an example, here it is. For the joy that lay before him. Listen. Jesus didn't have to do what he did. He lowered himself. He he says here he endured the cross, despising the shame. I love that word shame there. The way Jesus was killed and crucified was the lowest way to be killed and crucified. In fact, it was reserved only for slaves and criminals. There were better ways to die, I guess. (laughs) You know. Death is death and execution is execution. But this was the most humiliating because what came with these kinds of deaths, the crucifixion came, all the humiliation, all the beating beforehand, all the punching, all the the spitting upon and all the public humiliation anyone could ever have. That's what made these so much more severe. Jesus chose that way in order to be crucified for you and I. He chose that way so that you and I would not have to pay the price. He chose that way. That's shame. And he said, shame. He looked it in the face and said, give me your best shot. Even though you might get me for physically a little while, I'm going to tell you eternally in three days, none of that's going to matter. And that's what he did when he rose from the grave and he had victory over that death. He told that shame where to go. He did. And went back to the joy of his at the right hand of the Father. And by the way, he's interceding there for you and I. That's another cool aspect of all this. So, that's... The message, that's the way that we're to run the race. But as we run the race, I want you to remember there are other people watching you and us. Real quickly, there are people uh, of other churches that are watching what Conway Baptist Church does. And, And believe me, they're watching you on Facebook They're watching you on Twitter and whatever all those other things are. They're watching you within the community. They're watching everywhere. Now, unfortunately, uh, because of uh, some reason or another, churches find themselves, I believe, sometimes I've seen this happen. Not always, but I've seen it happen. Churches get in some sort of competition with one another. You know, if this church has something, we've got to have that and better. 
If this church doesn't, and, and we get, get mad because one church down the road is baptizing 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 people, and we haven't had one in five years, and we get mad at them for doing exactly what God has called us to do. Listen, we're all in this together. Uh, the church of the living God, including the corporate church and the local church, are in it together to see the world change for the good, for what God has called us to be, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm telling you right now, other churches are watching, and we and, and you yesterday had an opportunity, and you did it well, to show the other churches what could happen if God's people just come together and reach out and serve the community. I love what you all did yesterday. And I am so proud of the fact that so many participated in that. That will have some impact, my friends. What did they see in you yesterday? Did they see the love of Jesus? Did they see the gospel? They should. I hope they did. I'm sure they did. But other churches are watching us. Show them. Say, listen, brother or sister, work together. See, this is the beauty about being Southern Baptist, that we work together for the common cause of the gospel. This is a great way to know why it's important to participate in an association. Because fellow churches can come alongside of you. We have one community in our association that they, they're, they're partnering with four other non-denominational or not Southern Baptist churches in their community. And they're doing a community VBS this year. I'm so excited about that. There's churches coming along. There's churches in another community in our association. Three or four of our associational churches are banding together. Don't you love that? Well, I do. I'm the D-O-M. I love it. <laughs> Banding together to do a vacation Bible school and to reach out this year. We have represented in our mission trip to upstate New York this year. We have probably uh, six or seven churches represented there coming together to go and minister to someone else. Folks, this is why we need to be connected with other bodies of Christ. They're watching us and let them see in you the spirit of cooperation, the attitude of let's do this thing together because together we can do it a whole lot better than we can ourselves. And folks, we better get busy on it because Christianity is under attack worse than it's ever been. More people being killed in the Middle East and other places around this world, more Christians are being sought out. They're coming after us. You know what they're doing and have done in our own country. But that's nothing compared to those who are giving their lives for Jesus, who refuse to denounce Christ. And it's heading this way if they have their way. Let's, t- let's stop them at the border. Okay? Let, us, let, us, let them know whose we are. And then let us be willing and bold enough to tell them how their lives can be changed too. Other churches are watching. I believe you have the opportunity to be a significant church. Maybe as you once were in this community and even greater. Even greater if, listen to me now. This will only succeed if you're totally, completely, and personally surrendered to Jesus Christ and walking with Him every day. And that is not an easy task, but it's a worthwhile task. Then and only then will we be what Jesus wants us to be. Listen, numbers are fine. That's good. You want everyone you can to be in church. 
But you want to be stirring those waters more regularly. And the only way that happens is if God's people are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ regardless, regardless of age, ethnicity, language, now, whatever barrier we might put up in our world, it doesn't matter whether they don't look like us, whether they come to church with uh, pink spiked hair on top of their heads and all kinds of everything else on their... I, I tell you, I've had people, I've seen churches where they've told those kind of people to leave. You're not welcome here. Oh, my goodness. How dare we do that? I'm doing a wedding. Can you believe that? I'm doing a wedding here in a couple of weeks of one of our pastors. And uh, they're having a, a, a little bit of a non-traditional. They're, they're motorcycle folks. They've got a motorcycle ministry. So I get to wear jeans, a shirt, and a little old bitty tiny tie. Now some people would freak out at that. Listen, they both know Jesus. Half the people there, they know Jesus. But here's the good thing. Half the people coming don't know Jesus. Guess what? <laughs> they're going to hear about Jesus. In that ceremony. Wow. Other churches are watching. Give them something to see. Other weak and uninformed Christians are watching you. Oh, goodness gracious. Folks, we got a lot of of weak and uninformed Christians out there. They got saved, but they're still infants. They got saved, but they're living carnal lives. They got saved, and they think, well, you know, the culture says living together is okay. We'll just shack up together and never get married. Or the, the, the world says uh, that, that, that this is okay or that's okay. The Bible clearly says, no, that's not okay. That's not right. We need to get our hearts and lives right with him. And I'm telling you, if there's sin in the camp, the camp won't go until the sin is weeded out. But boy, when it is, watch out what he can do for you and for this world. God's people must be and live godly, holy life. And when other Christians who have stopped coming to church because they got mad or got hurt or whatever, all of those things, listen, uh, uh, when they see the contagious, I think, uh, atmosphere of God's church who expresses uh, uh, forgiveness and faithfulness, there's an opportunity to restore brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that so many people get mad about so few things that really matter. And people got mad at me because I didn't wear a tie. I've had people get mad because they changed the color of the carpet and they stopped coming to church until they changed it back. You think I'm kidding you? I'm not kidding you. And you know why they do that? Because their faith is weak. But... They are saved children of God if they truly, genuinely gave their life to Christ. Therefore, they are worth going after. Then there's finally, there's the lost people are watching us. What do the lost people say about Conway Baptist Church when they witness what you do in the community and what you post on Facebook? Gets real quiet when I say that. What comments are said when they see Conway Baptist Church represented 
in the world. Combat, uh, Conway Baptist Church represented on Facebook. What did they see? They need to see something they don't have that they want and they need and they, and, and so that they may seek out what you have so that you can give it to them. Oh, man, the, the social media is such a great opportunity to share the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put that on Facebook and stop putting all that other stuff that don't belong there. I'm not a Facebook person, so here I am talking about Facebook, huh? <laughs> Boy, what I do see and what I do hear breaks my heart of the church of the living God. Oh, my goodness. Let them see us ethically and morally correct. Let, us, let them see us loving Jesus the way he loved us. And that's contagious. And one last thing. We ought to cry over the lost. Because God is among those spectators I mentioned at first. Second Chronicles, I don't have time to go through it, but 16.9 talks about how God roams throughout the world looking for his, those who will be faithful. He was at a point where Asa, King Asa, uh, disobeyed God. And he got punished for it. And he said, God's watching. The prophet said, God's moving around and watching. So I guess the message of this today is this. Other folks are watching us. What do they see? Do they see someone who's running the race with endurance? Do they see someone who loves Jesus more than they love their lives? Or do they see someone who is compromising the truth and we're not like who we say we are if you're here this morning and your life doesn't reflect what jesus wants of you maybe you need to recommit your heart to him today maybe you're here today and you've never really genuinely asked jesus into your heart and life you can do that today if there's sin in your life unconfessed sin now's the time to do that listen i I pray for you i pray for all of our churches and i pray for for an awakening and a renewal every day. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't it be so good off the heels of what you guys did yesterday, the church to stand here today and say, as from this point on, just like Joshua said, we are going to serve the Lord. That means we're going to worship the Lord and turn this community finally around so that the rest of the communities can say, wow, what are they doing? We want a little bit of that. But it all starts with us, making sure our hearts and our eyes are right. Would you stand with me?